Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of 99 Potions, the premier fanbite RPG podcast. I am managing editor of fanbite.com, Stephen Strum. Joining me this week, as is so usually the case, is one featured contributor for fanbite.com. Uh, it says Natalie Flores here. Yeah, Nerdily Flores. Nerdily yeah, Flores. <laughs> Interesting. Yoko Taro says that's the next near game. Oh. Paul saying boo in the chat. Hermano, por favor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Kirby with a knife that was me energy. He somebody posted Kirby uh, with a knife. <laughs> thank Sorry. you for thank you for letting everybody know the visual cue on that one, Natalie. That is important details. Um, somebody else who understands what uh, Natalie just said, unlike me, is uh, John Warren, uh, editor at large of fanby.com. Hi, it's one J actually this week. Is is my name? One J. Yeah. Well, like two B. To I'm be, sorry, I don't get it. I'm one J. Do you get it? Like I'm one J. Oh. No, I don't know if I don't know if Paul likes that. Oh, boo again, hermano, por favor. Welcoming <laughs> on to the program for the first time hey. ever is also a news editor for Fanbyte.com who just started this week. It's Imran Khan. Right until the moment you said that, I was prepared to introduce myself as like a guest. I was like, wait a second, no, I work. No, here. you yeah, work, you here, work now. here now. Yeah, that's oh, very exciting. Glory to mankind. Glory we've, to mankind. We've thrown away the key. Imran kind? No, that's Imran. nothing. I have, a, I have a Yorha mask that says, like, glory to mankind on it. And people, like, look at that weird. I'm like, oh, you're not a nerd. Oh. You don't know what that means. <laughs> you're, like, a living embodiment of that co- um, comic that's just like, I wish there was a way to tell where all the geeks and gamers are in in the crowd tonight. <laughs> and then instead of saying the cake is a lie, you just, I don't know, do something really sad that involves like philosophers and robots or something like that. Anyway, we're talking about Nier. That's an A on the podcast. Uh, this one's going to be a, a bit of a strange one because I think um, Natalie and Imran are our two Nier 1 experts. And I should speci- specify that we are talking about Nier 1 and the... All right, I'm going to try this. <clears throat> the, the, the new Nier remake, the Nier remake... Uh, near replicant ver dot one point two two four seven four four eight seven one three nine. It's version. It's version, yeah. right? Version one point two. Yeah, V-E-R. But, yeah. but I want people listening who can't see the title to know that gotcha. it is spelled uh, with that kind of um, shortening, whatever. Yeah, yeah that yes, is true. It's it not is. version one point two two four seven four four eight seven one three nine. Sure, sure, sure. Ver. Yeah, yeah. I love that song. Um, <laughs> so John and I don't think have ever played this, right? Uh, that's correct. I've never played it. No, I've played okay. near uh, Automata, but not not the original. Right. I've also played near Automata, and I have also played the uh, current parts available of the near raid in Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah. Uh, other than that, my only experience with the original near is watching um, Justin McElroy back in the joystick days uh, try to play the fishing mini game and getting very mad at the game uh, in an early YouTube video that um, was very funny to me at the time. So we're going to lean pretty heavily in Imran and Natalie on this one. Can we get kind of a general idea of uh, what people's experience level is with this one? We'll start with you, Imran, because it sounds like you have something to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I so I remember like really making fun of this game the first time I saw it. I'm like, I can't believe Square Enix is doing this weird thing with it. And we will get to what the weird things are with this game at another point. But the 
I, I remember like looking at it like, I can't, this is ridiculous. Like this is Square Enix in a nutshell these days of just being weird for the sake of weird. Mm. And then I ended up just playing it for some reason out of boredom or something. <laughs> and it's one of those, like when you look back at your, your history with video games, you find those video games that matter to mm. you that are like, I don't, be- I can't believe this is such a revelation to me. And near was that game for me to the point where, I have played it across 360 and PS3, which is a Japanese-only version. Uh, right. For, mm-hmm. uh, for like combined, I would say about ten times, and I have written most of a book about it, the game so far. <laughs> That's incredible. Is this the first time you publicly say that, or? No, I well, I don't have like I've pitched it to publishers, but no publishers have actually like taken me up on it. Word. So. It is that book only still exists in, you know, on my hard drive. So it doesn't matter. Anyone knows about it. Yeah. Well, eventually it's going to get out there and people are going to know what is in your heart about Nier. I'm also curious, what is in Natalie's heart about Nier? What's your experience with this one? Uh, So I have watched the entire thing, which I guess you could compare to playing because, I mean, so like watching games now can count as playing games. I'm Just, squarely in that camp. Yeah, I agree. I watching games agree. Is, I agree with that. Yeah, so I guess you could say I've played it, but I definitely don't remember things to the point where I've, like, the remembrance that you would get from playing it over 10 times. Um, but <laughs> I, yeah, I I watched all of it. Uh, I have been the one, mostly the one reporting on the near remake, which is what we're going to talk about today for Fanbyte and all the news that's come out of that, as well as uh, near reincarnation, which is the mobile game that is it out this week? Is it in Japan? Yeah. There's no English announcement for it yet, yes. but it's coming. I forgot yeah. that that was even happening. Yeah. It seems really dope. So, um, just a little bit above Steven and John's expertise, but not at like Emron. I'm like a nice little middle ground here. Yeah, no one should be at my like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so can we tell the folks at home, and Imran, you can probably uh, give us a pretty good rundown. Like what is near the, the first near, which I know there's near Gestalt, there's near Replicant. You want to like just lay this out for us, like for people who maybe haven't played the game? This is a very it's gonna, okay. So people got to follow me here because it's going to get very. <laughs> uh, we will we'll have to start with like the fact that Yoko Taro, when he was with Caviar, made a game called Dragon Guard. That game was bad. It was just terrible, and like it was him just trying to make a video game that was like Dynasty Warriors that did not work out that way. And Square Enix is like, okay, we see some ideas here. We're willing to give you and Caviar another shot but with some more money and on the new systems. So he thought of this idea of if we're all trying to Americanize for the West, like what if we made two characters, one of them in near Gestalt and one of them in near Replicant, a father and a young boy respectively. And they both had the same, like different dynamics to the uh, game's quote unquote damsel in distress character, but otherwise they were fairly identical. Mm -hmm. And he wrote this game under the, the idea of since he started running it after nine eleven, like what about the idea of killing other people? Like what makes that justified? So he wrote near in that way, and it ended up being this cult classic yes. game that not a lot of people were aware of because it played very badly. But they had the near Gestalt and near Replicant versions there in America. They only brought over the Western 
play, which was the father, right? The father figure. Yeah, right? We're near near is the character's name, right? Yes. He uh, officially has no name, but yes, okay. it is. Is near. So in, in uh, the Americanized version, near Gestalt, near is basically just like he's a big buff dude who is a di- who's the dad of the damsel in distress character, and then in the Japanese only version, he's her brother. Yes. Yes. Okay. They thought it, it would appeal like- more to the West to have a dad instead of a brother, just because like. Mm-hmm. I put down in my notes that uh, Near Gestalt came out in 2010, which was around three years before The Last of Us. It was kind of around that time that we started to really get like the rise of dad games. I don't think it was like super entrenched yet, but we were on the way. And yeah. so mm-hmm. I can see why they somehow thought that a father would appeal more to the pathos of the West. So like not to get too far ahead of it, but like Yoko Taro and I have had this argument. Mm-hmm. Like during interviews, I'm, he he firmly believes the brother is the actual like canon character. Oh, interesting. Which is why, why when we get to new replicant, yeah. Yeah. yeah, when we get to new replicant, that's why it's the brother character because that is in his vision, the actual character of Nier. I think he's wrong. Oh. Like authority aside, I think the the dad character is a much better version or tells a much better story just because of that relationship dynamic. Is it becomes one of a choice versus familial obligation. Mm. And I think that makes for a much more interesting thing for that game. Huh? Why wouldn't it be a familial obligation if they're both family members? So the, the difference of daughter versus uh, sister is that when you're, when you have a child, you are that is a choice you made. Oh, like, you, sure, sure, sure. you, you are dedicated to Yona to rescuing her because she is, you know, you brought her into this world. And when you are playing as a brother, it is, well, you never made the choice to have a little sister. Right, okay. Your little sister is just, like, there, and you are obligated to take care of her. Like, that's an oversimplification of all this stuff, but I think that really does change the dynamic, and especially as we start getting into more of the near story, that does change how the lens in which you view their actions and how disquieting you might find uh, the purposeful ignorance in which they go through that game. Right. And I know there's like some cultural stuff there too, just in terms of the like older brother to a younger sister dynamic is kind of more of a like cultural meme or like a trope in Japanese media. A lot of the time, like persona four has a whole big thing about that as well. So maybe it's just like a different kind of lens for it, but that is really interesting. That's like a really interesting take on it. And it's like, that's why even though it was like, it seems like it was just a marketing decision. It does actually present this very interesting dynamic and a very interesting contrast between these two versions that like most games wouldn't even bother. Like, could you imagine if Last of Us 2 was like Ellie version and Abby version? Like, oh, those would wow. be such, <laughs> it would be an interesting thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, in, I mean, granted, it would be like a thing that AAA games would not do and actually probably be worse for that game. But it would be like, it would be something that's just not anywhere else in the gaming industry. And the fact that Square Enix is like, yeah, sure, we'll do this really dumb thing is one of the more one of the more inventive things I've ever seen them do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you had mentioned previously, the new remake, the I'm not going to read the whole thing again, but the near replicant version, <laughs> blah, 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 is uh, the one that we are getting remade now, which is can we, uh, Natalie, do you want to kind of lay down a couple of the different things that are being changed in this remake? Because it sounds like it's like a full remake, not just like a remaster. For sure. It is absolutely a remake. Um, So among the things that they're doing is, 
you know, including voice acting for the entire game. In the original game, there are certain visual novel-esque sections, mostly to do with Kaine, who's one of the more principal characters in the game. I would say along with Emil, she's probably the most important character in the game. Um, if I remember correctly, Imran, those sections, uh, like the majority of her story, which has to do with her grandma, was relegated to silent visual novel narrations yes. right so those are going to be voiced um they have teased that there might be a new ending so there are if there will also be new content but they are basically like it's a pretty faithful readaptation from what i've gathered um the music is orchestrated and like in a remastered version so there will be old tracks in addition to new tracks um there's going to be uh, probably the biggest thing is the changes to the battle system, which, as Imran alluded to, was not well received at the time or right. ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's definitely a cult classic in the sense that like you ask anyone who has loved Nier, the first one, and they will tell you about the music and the story and the characters, but it will always come with a caveat of, this really sucks to play. Um, that's going to be different now. The combat is a lot more action-oriented. Uh, it's going to be a lot more similar to Automata's. Okay. Um, so it's going to be a lot less sluggish. Um, but as far as I know, it's going to be a pretty faithful readaptation and slash remake um yeah i was actually gonna ask about that just like um and imran it seems like you really would be the person to ask about this because it seems like you really really care about the the story and the world and whatnot um i'm curious like do you think that like this like the gameplay changes in here like the fact that it's not going to be as maybe a much of a slog to play does that influence the sort of tone of the game to you at all or or like change your relationship to it or do you think it's going to change players relationship to it so Un acknowledging that the actual combat system was not very good, I do think it does change the, the game a little bit for it to be good. Because, to like... Be. Yeah. Boo! <laughs> 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 it's never intentional when they make a bad game. Like, it's never like, oh no, we actually meant for this to be bad. Like, yeah. there's some rare, like, oh yeah, the side quest is supposed to kind of suck. But, like, the combat system, I'm sure they tried to make a very good combat system. Yeah. The thing is, the fact that God, I don't know how far I want to get into the actual idea of near spoilers, especially as like a thing is coming up. With a remake coming out, I don't think we should spoil too much mm -hmm. of it. But I think setting up the basic premise of what like the journey starts out as is probably good. I think there there's a point in that game where it shouldn't feel good to kill things. And I at that point, like the game is, you know, just sort of saying like, yeah, it doesn't feel good. Like emotionally or physically or like as a gameplay perspective, it doesn't feel good to kill things. And I think the bad combat system actually works in that favor. Granted, I don't think most people would agree with me. I think that's the kind of thing you realize after like, you're already well, like I'm writing a book about this. <laughs> kind of have to, like, I, I don't have a choice. I'm playing the game. Like, but if you're trying to get through the game the first time, like in the original, the way they did it was they just gave you a weapon that killed everything in like two hits and would literally just like you hit triangle and it just like shot you forward. And like that, it was a deadly premonition way of solving it. Uh -oh. Like we know, we know this is bad. So here's just a gun with unlimited ammo. <laughs> I'm and, like, curious. That was, that was the way they did it before. And I think like 
if it's fun to play this, that's going to definitely change the tone a little bit, hmm. even though I think it's going to make it a better game. Did that then, by that logic, did Automata lose some feeling? Or like, did you just not think maybe the combat in that game was great either? But there is very much a point or several points in that game where you should feel bad about killing the enemies right. that you're fighting. And it happens pretty early on, I would say. Like, it doesn't take long for the game to set that emotional groundwork. So, like... I would say there's a big difference between uh, like feeling bad about playing it mechanically versus what the game is trying to give to you emotionally. Um, so how did that happen with Nier Automata? Like, did you never really feel bad about killing characters or was the combat system also bad in that game for you? I think Nier, Nier is a different... So Nier Automata in like the... It's actually really brilliant because, and I'm glad we have like the the diversity of experiences we have here because that game is different depending on whether you've played near or not. Mm. Like yeah. when you when you go into that game, Natalie, did you play near first or before you went to no, Automata? No, I did Automata first. Yeah. Okay, so when you play Automata, you're waiting for like this moment of okay, when's the shoe gonna drop? Because the premise they're giving me right now doesn't make any sense. Right. right. And like when, when you've played near. You're expecting the Yoko Taro wild ride at right. some point. Yeah. Of yes. he, he's gonna do something. It like it's gonna be some situation where like, okay, yeah, this wasn't what we thought it was at all. If you've not played it, then you do take a lot of that stuff at face value. And one of the thing, very first things I noticed when I was doing like when the initial trailers for Nero Tabata came out, it was, oh, all these enemies have Emil's head. I wonder why that is. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. that becomes a thing of they're they these enemies are like cute they're not threatening when they do attack you they attack you like goofy in a cart like 1930s cartoon yeah they like spin their this. arms around like popeye and yes just these little stubby r2d2 looking motherfuckers it's literally the bart simpson i'm i'm moving my arms <laughs> right. in a row if i hits you then like too bad kind of thing and for me that was the thing of i i don't know the game, battle system feels better, but they made the enemies less threatening. They're no longer shades. They're not. That is. They're true. not like the uh, the manifestations of darkness in, that we traditionally accept. Mm -hmm. They're they're mascot characters. It's like right. I'm mowing down Pikachu. Mm -hmm. Like it's <laughs> it. Then it does actually does feel a little worse. Even though I'm sure, like if Yoko Taro ever tried to go to Platinum and say like, "Hey, make a bad feeling action game," they'd be like, "We can't." So I think. It does have a similar idea. It just doesn't have the same kind of execution. Right. That's the, true, yeah. The other thing I would say, too, like as somebody who has played Nier Automata at the very least, I do think that they kind of lampshade that a little bit by the virtue of the fact that even if it's not supposed to feel good to kill those things, and I think they, Imran, you're right that they get there by just changing the visual style of the enemies, which makes perfect sense because also you are playing as battle androids in that game. Yes. It makes sense that 2B and 9S will be good at killing things, you know, whereas like uh, obviously playing like more of a human character like Nier or nameless guy who everybody just calls <laughs> Nier is a little bit different. John, we haven't gotten That's a chance a really to talk. really good point, by the way. Oh yeah, no problem. Uh, I'm always I'm full of them all the time. Uh, John, I know you're also usually good, full of good points, and you've played Nier Automata as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I have. yeah. Great game. Okay, um, Imran, maybe one question I have for you is like kind of the the big dumpy ass quotient from uh, Nier Automata. Like, what can we expect in uh, in in Nier Replicant? 
Thank you. So I love the original Nier. Kanye's <laughs> costume was always shit. It was always like, regardless of whatever post hoc, uh, yeah. yeah, like thing that they came up with it, Yoko Taro is just kind of like a pervy guy. And yeah. like, yes, I he think is. he's a really brilliant writer in a lot of ways. And I think he's a great director. And I think he moves this video game medium like forward in ways that a lot of other directors don't. He's kind of a pervert. Yeah. And, like mm-hmm. the night or the two B stuff was like very obvious what he was doing. The kind of stuff is like, she has like gender identity questions about herself and also like self-assuredness about her gender identity that do, like put those questions to rest. But she dresses like literally in lingerie and her ass is just hanging the out. The underwear makes me so uncomfortable. I, like how do you run in that? I'm just so happy. I'm just so <laughs> happy. I've made it to, I've I've just made it two for two for weeks. I've asked about uh, big butts, big jumpy and, asses, yeah, yeah. And square games. Oh right, yeah. Um, Last no, week so, we uh, we talked about big dumpy asses in yeah, our Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy 14. fourteen episode. Am wrong? Which, by the way, has a free trial that goes up to level sixty, and that includes having four <laughs> <in> this game. <laughs> yeah, if you want to get the Imran, you haven't had the full near experience until you played the Puppet Spunker raid. Okay, in but Final for Fantasy real, 14. that that shit's about to be canon. Do. That, that is actually what I'm like. If I do get into FF14, I'm trying to convince my partner to you actually will. do that with me. Uh, it is is mostly so I can go do the near stuff uh, because I have listened to that yeah. that Heaven Sword. Uh, was it Heaven Sword? Uh, the Final Fantasy 14 near Song of the Ancients mix. Oh like, yeah, Shadowbringers. Yeah, yeah. Probably hours of my life have been taken up by listening to that actively. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me, I guess let me I just want to oh, sneak in real quick. I'm, I'm yeah, go for look, it. Look, Looking at making a fan bite um, free company, uh, basically a guild in game. So Imran, uh, we'll chat after yeah. this. For sure. We should yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, d- I do have a real question. Okay, not that my not that my butt question wasn't very important, <laughs> but uh, but like stru- structurally, did near Automata is one of the most. Um, I think like transgressively structured video games in the past. I don't know, like ten years. You know, in terms of mm-hmm. just like how you achieve everything you need to achieve in that game. And I won't spoil it too much, but it's like, you know, the end is not the end. 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 And so on and so forth. Um, is, is the original near structured similarly, or there kind of structural, yes. uh, yeah. kind of strangeness to it that, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They didn't get that right until near automata, honestly. Cause like yeah. Yeah. near one, so there's a halfway point you hit in that game, and then for every other ending, you have to play from that halfway point from like a plus game kind of thing. Like the final one requires you to collect all the weapons. Ah. Dragon Guard had something very similar as well, where Dragon Guard was uh they required you to get every weapon, but all the weapons had just insane uh requirements. Like one was a time level where you have to wait at the entrance for well, I have to wait in one room until there's two minutes left and then a weapon will disappear. I so it's like uh, I've seen some game Dragon Guard feels like one of the most fucking Byzantine video game franchises of all time. I've seen a video out there of the final boss of Dragon Guard three, where it's a rhythm game where you have to press buttons on like the time of, of like indicators on screen, but then the screen goes black and you have to just know when the game expects you to press the button. Otherwise you die because it's a one hit kill. 100%. 100%. Yeah, that, would, that is... <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Guard 3 has some good things about it. Mostly it's not a great game. But, like, it's also... It's one, It's the problem, I think, with the Yoko Taro universe thing, where if you really, really want to dive deep into all these stories, if you want to know what's up with this weird illusion they say here and there, or want to know, like, why is there a character that can seemingly jump through universes? Like, 
you have to play all this stuff. You have to read things that have never been translated into English officially. Yeah, novellas. There are three plays now, I think. Like theater plays. Yes. And like most Americans are never going to see that thing. I I brought that up to Yokotaro once. He was like, yeah, but who cares? Like, don't (laughs) you don't need to know all of it. If you don't know all of it, it's fine. And like, that's kind of refreshing. But also, I'm a video game player. (laughs) I need to know all of it. Yeah, you've been trained for completionism for sure. So like, yeah, it is, I think it's, that's a very valid criticism of this sort of stuff is like, I I am going to bet that as Natalie uh, alluded to earlier, there's probably a new ending to this game. Mm-hmm. So if, even if you mm-hmm. have played near in the past, you were probably going to have to play it again, or at least have access to YouTube in some way to probably get the full story of what's happening here. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do we know if they're actually going to relax some of the restrictions? Remember when they did like the Wind Waker HD for the Wii U? Was that Wii U? Yeah, that was Wii U. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they just like, <laughs> all right, listen, we made a boo-boo the first time we did this. Um, <laughs> we're going to cut down the number of bullshit items you have to collect in the back half of this game by about 50%. Do you think they'll do something like that in this one? They've already improved the fighting. I think the the other complaints about Nier were, as you mentioned, the fishing, which was <laughs> not nearly as bad as not review the game right. bad, uh-huh. but like it, it was a complaint people had. And I guess the other stuff was, what else? The side quest. Mm-hmm. So I, I talked about how like usually bad side quest design is just bad side quest design. Every side quest in Nier is a bummer. Uh-oh. Like oh, no. whatever you are off to look for is probably dead. So oh, like there is no. a side quest where an old man asks you to find his dog. That sounds nice. It is not nice. No. The dog is dead. And then the old man is dead. When you go back to tell him, <laughs> oh the my dog God. Is dead. what the fuck? <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he just died of a broken heart or some shit. Some revenge of the Sith. Like oh, I can feel my dog is gone. Man. <laughs> they are forced to die. The I knew the in my man. gut he was gone. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the power like, of like, the two restore the what? No, okay. <laughs> Near Automata's uh, side quests were marginally better, so I kind of wonder if they're like going to go back and redesign some of these oh. side quests. So they're not so they're not just go here, collect things. Whoops, everything's dead. So I maybe they'll like fix some of those, if not to be less of a bummer, then to at least be more interesting. Yeah. Natalie, how do you feel about that too? Like, do you, do you want them to make it like less of a bummer, or do you? Uh, did you enjoy watching that, or did you even see the side quests uh, watching it as you did? I did, and they were so not memorable that I really don't <laughs> remember most of them. So I would agree, not for the sake of uh, being less of a bummer necessarily, but just to make it more interesting because there was a level of unpredictability to. Your automata side quests, even like whether they were good or not, like you were always sort of ready to be surprised, I would say, or at least in my experience. So, I mean, if you get the idea early on that all of these side quests are going to end in total bummers and that everyone is dead, kind of doesn't make you want to play through the side quests. So There, there is one side quest that is very, very long. It's a long fetch quest of going basically between everywhere on the map, delivering things to different people. The only reward, there is no like item reward for this. It is that you get to listen to the two of the characters sing a song. Huh. It's a very, very nice song, oh, but it's like, there's just nothing to see on that. Yeah. 
I will say, actually, like, I mean, I think a lot of the side quests on Nier Automata were very good. There was, like, that Father Servo, is that his name? That whole yeah. line. I love that. Yeah. Like, very goofy, very fun in a lot of cases. Also some sad stuff, but if they can inject a little bit of that, like, flavor into this, maybe even just include new side quests to pad it out with, like, better, more interesting stuff, that would be pretty cool. I'd be into that. Yeah, that's the um, only change I would yeah, like to see to the structure, just because I... At least for me, um, as someone who has really obsessively played visual novels for the last more than decade, for me, the whole Route A, Route B, Route B, C like thing in Nier Automata was not a difficult thing to grasp my to like wrap my head around. Um, and Nier Automata is actually, if I remember correctly, it is derived from a specific ending in the first Nier. Um, so. I totally have no problem with them preserving the structure of the first Nier. Just like, I, I think that's something that I'm used to as a visual novel fan, though. That's kind of a consistent trope in a lot of Japanese games. I would mm. say. Though it is, it, it is funny how scared Square seemed to be of like people not getting it. Yeah. Of like when you finish near Automata Route A, yeah. there's literally like it's like please keep playing. This is not yeah. the end of the game. And it was like signs. Like, wasn't signed Yoko Taro it was or like, like signs the Screen Enix PR department or something like that. Yeah, like marketing team or something like that. It was like okay, I I knew that, but boy, you guys were just real concerned. Everyone mm. would give up here, huh? and people well, would be like really scared that it'd be the same thing. And I'm like, right. yo, I've had to play so many vision novels where like I got to manually skip the text to then oh, get yeah. to that branching <laughs> off point. Um, I, I would compare it to Emron. Have you played uh, Zero Escape? Yeah. Yes. We got to do yeah, a Zero like- Escape podcast. It's not an RPG. <laughs> like, <we gotta> do- <laughs> we'll, we'll bend the rules. Uh, but for me, it's like the difference between... 999 and virtue's last reward like the mm. the og 999 you have to start from the beginning in order to get each ending while in virtue's last reward you can sort of jump from branching timelines and so yeah. and they fix that in the re-release of 999 so uh, maybe they'll do something with this 13 sentinels aegis rim does very similar stuff actually too and also has like a really cool thing which i would love to see in near in this version of near if they can do it which is that like in 13 sentinels and in virtue's last reward you can choose to watch everything from the beginning and you can also hit a button that'll just fast forward through yeah. everything up to the point like where the game detects okay here's a decision point where you haven't chose like this route before we're going to pause the game or or we're going to slow it back down to normal speed and the game is smart enough to know that now is a time where you don't want to be fast forwarding i would love to see something like that in uh, near replicant <laughs> personally um so like it's funny you mentioned 13 sentinels because i was thinking for last couple of months actually that there's this like genre of japanese game where People want to recommend them, but they, you can't tell anybody why. Yeah, and like, right, right. Like, <laughs> 13 Sentinels in there, Nier is in there. Yes. It's this thing of, I love this game for this twist. Or like we were talking about the the multiple endings and like, no, you do have to go through it once, but like keep going after that because like yeah. there's, I don't want to tell you because that surprise matters. That surprise is important to why, but like just do see, do at least do see and then figure out the rest. And I, I kind of wonder like, what the longevity of that like do developers have to convince their marketing departments of like we really this game is really good we promise you but we can't tell you why and how much that like because if i if i start recommending near to people without qualifications people will go play that game without understanding 
know there's a certain bit in it that it actually starts affecting you. Right. And that's is is difficult to ask for that investment for somebody who doesn't know why that they should do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the um, two things on this is one, I don't know that they're necessarily wrong to be worried about that stuff because I hear yeah. about this all the time from people. And John, you know, this um, yeah. fan bites own Dylan Skiffington got to the end of route a and near Atamanata and was like, well, I guess that's I the end of the game. And, that I guess was it. Hits <laughs> and it's, that left yeah. and it was like, and then everybody was like, Dylan, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, no. Uh, no, I just replay the game four more times and I get like an epilogue or something, right? I guess I don't need that. I beat the game. And it's like, no, you did no, not. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, the and, other thing. I'm like, I'm actually, and I'm actually really in that camp of these structures that, you know, I, if I roll credits on a game, no matter, even if they're false credits, I, it is a difficult thing for me to jump back in. So, like, mm. it's very funny that they they use, you know, like signed PR department or whatever because, like, <laughs> because it's true. It's like, like either that's just a very funny nod from uh, Yokotaro, or it's just like literally the marketing team being like, "You have to put this in here, or we're not going to ship this game." <laughs> um, I don't know which is funnier, um, but like. I am that person. I am like, I'm kind of like Dylan in that sense of just like, yeah, I rolled credits. I don't know. Like, I don't need a perfect ending, you know, like I'm a little bit that way with Chrono Trigger. Like Chrono Trigger is not a game that I've like played multiple times to kind of see how things end up. I, I played it once also notably like a pervert. I played Chrono Cross first. Let's just put that out there. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but like, yeah, it's like uh, really big games with multiple endings are usually tough. The way Nier Automata steps around that is that it's kind of brisk for the most part. It's like a pretty brisk experience if you if you really kind of play through it, you know, I think that the intended way. Um and it's and it and it's good. Like it unfolds in a really interesting way that games with like multi quote unquote multiple endings or whatever don't normally unfold. I mean it is a different thing and I think it's tough to explain that to people. And the know. different endings are almost a misnomer in Nier Automata right. as well. Right, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, Route B is, like, replaying the game, and then every other ending of that game is not replaying, really. It's just, yeah. like, it's two new chapters in that story that progress the timeline forward, and then there's, like, an epilogue, basically, is how it works. So it's almost like a strange thing. And then when you people that was being described to a lot of people, I know there's definitely a lot of people out there who thought that, like, oh, I have to play through this entire thing five times once they got to the like to the especially when you get to Rude B, because Rude B will really throw off a lot of people because it looks like you're just replaying the entire game with a little bit yeah. of extra context and then it's like oh, I gotta do that three more times. No thank you. Um yeah. that is the thing that like Nier did I wanna say worse. Cause like mm. w- like the, from the from the second playthrough the only thing that really gets added is you get like there gets a little extra cutscenes but the main thing is you get subtitles for the enemies. So you start knowing what those enemies are saying, yeah. which does change up the context of that game. Sure, it does. And, but like, it is gameplay-wise identical. And it is like, obviously when they started Neurotomata, Yoko Taro wanted to do something similar. But he just decided, no, people don't like that. Or we have to make ease them into this a little bit better. Right. And I don't want to say Neurotomata did it like super well, because there are people who obviously did just bounce off right at the credits. But they... I, basically, like the next new game, maybe they, they'll have figured it out a bit better. Yeah, I mean, I would say the thing that uh, that Route B does, I think that is like maybe makes that 
process of replaying the basically the first part of the game over again is that it changes the boss fights pretty significantly where you have all the hacking mini games instead of really fighting the bosses in the, quite the same way where you're playing as um, 9S inside of the Matrix or whatever. <laughs> um, I I will say like there is the one thing not to make this a near automata podcast no, though no. but like there is at the beginning of 9S's uh campaign branch you know whatever you can just like go the wrong direction and it will give yep. you an yes. ending and you would not have saved by then yep. so you have to redo everything up to that point yep. and I did that yeah, that, that happened that to me. is the yeah. That's the dumbest decision I've ever seen because if you're already on the fence about playing this thing again, that would only would have just pushed you all the way off. And it's such yeah. the thing you have to replay is it's a really affecting moment when you do it once and then you do it twice and it's like, oh my god, I'm moving so fucking slow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Let me tell you, not a problem in the near raid in Final Fantasy 14 available <laughs> with a free trial. To level I was gonna. 60. I was gonna say this all makes me think about. 14 too because for me the thing that pushed me on in spite of that was like the word of mouth right like for me I I didn't play the first near before Automata but I did have an idea that things were going to go a certain way because of the word of mouth especially like mm. the people mm. who had already been into near I have a lot of friends who played the original and were part of that cult fandom um so it makes me think of 14 because it's it's that, but amplified, right? Like you're telling someone to do maybe a hundred hours and you're like, it's going to pay off eventually. You're going to have to do a lot of repetitive stuff, but it's going to yeah. pay off eventually. And so increasingly that's, that's like becoming a thing. Like, like in terms of marketing Japanese games that are structured in this way. I don't know. Like, because I know, I, I get what you were saying about 13 Sentinels. Like, I I know that Patrick Klapik was just talking about how, like, I want to recommend this game to people, but I don't know I how to market it besides, yeah. like, yeah. I can't yeah. talk about it. And you sort I, of have to trust <laughs> that person and what they I, say about it. I think, I think the best way to sell people on it is to find um, Twitter threads that is someone kind of playing through it uh, over, like, the course of several days and then just kind of seeing their like reactions. Like my favorite thing right now, a friend of mine named Chris is playing through uh, um, 13 Sentinels. And just like every few days, he just comes back to the thread with capital. What? Just like every like few days. <laughs> and it's like, and I kind of remember when Nier Automata came out and I didn't play it immediately. People I know kind of had the same reaction. I was just it's like, so I, can't even, I can't even tell you why this is fucked up, but it's, it's wild. And I'm just like, all right, like, it's, I guess I believe it. And then once I played it, I was like, oh, this is like one of the weirdest video games I've ever played. And that's great. And it's, that's, it's, yeah. It's like playing a from software game. It's like when Bloodborne came out and there was no guides to it yet. Right. It's like almost a, yeah. com a communal effort to sure. like yeah. tease out what this thing is and get people involved in it. Like you, I don't know if people, uh, everybody on this call has played Bloodborne. Bloodborne has so many chunks of it that you can completely miss if you yeah. don't know to look for it. Like Kanehurst right. Castle is a completely yeah. optional area that is tied to like having a very specific item and going to walk up to a very specific spot on the map and then you unlock an entire extra zone of that game and stuff <laughs> right. like that exists and, and the chalice yeah. dungeon has like most almost entirely unique enemies yeah. and bosses and that like no one's ever going to see right yeah because mm -hmm. it's like completely 
Byzantine and arcane, how do you even get through any of that stuff? And also, like, you you uh, interact with it for the first time. It's very similar to the different endings in that thing, because you play a Chalice Dungeon once, and you're like, oh, I guess this is just a bunch of, like, optional pre-rendered areas or, or like, uh, whatever. I guess I don't need to see that. And it's like getting to the end of um, Route A and being like, oh, it's just going to be more of this again? I guess I don't need to see all that. Yeah. Um, like Dragon Quest 11 has kind of the opposite problem <laughs> where at some point it really feels like they just got tired and like, all right, here's credits. <laughs> right. Like, and like half the game is after that. So I, I end up having to tell people like, oh yeah, I saw credits. Am I done? I'm like, if you're enjoying it, you should keep playing because there's yeah, just way more story. Right. But like, I'm, if they didn't put credits there and I, I have to assume the reason they put credits there is because, because the game's they want hours like, long. Yeah. They want people to be like, okay, well I'm done. I finished it. I can move on to the next Dragon Quest. But like, if they didn't put them there, then it would just feel like a very, very long game, but it's still a more complete story versus like a kind of story in a post game. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I think is what Nier always tries to avoid, but never quite gets right. Uh, Yeah, I'm really, 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 really excited and interested to see this for myself this time. Um, I know the basic outline of what happens because I ended up reading the Wikipedia of it uh, way back in the day <laughs> after beating Nier Automata and I wanted to have some context for uh, what the fuck I was looking at at some of the stuff in Nier Automata. <laughs> uh, have they confirmed if there's going to be like a third full Nier game anytime no. soon? Okay. No. Okay. The producer has said some stuff. Yeah, but I don't know if he was talking about this or a new game. So right, because my thing that I keep thinking about here is like I keep, I'm wondering if we will see some kind of like teaser in this for a third year at the end. It'll be like that'll be that, the extra ending or something. Yeah, I want to be surprised. that is my assumption, but we'll see. When I talked to Yokotaro a couple of years ago, he said the reason he made Nier Automata the way he did, like a game ten thousand years in the future past Nier, was. He didn't think Platinum Games was good enough to make a an open world game about modern day Tokyo. Mm. So now that he knows they are good enough, he wants to like that's the next game he wants to make because like there there is lore of the time between Drakengard and Nier yeah. about like a basically like a monster with red eyes taking over the world, and I think that's the game he does want to make next, and I'd love to see him actually do that. Can we say really quick the connection between Drakengard and Nier? Because it is one of my favorite fucking things in the world that this is how these things are interconnected. And I don't think we've said so far. Yeah, I wanted to okay, say, so. is it that Nier Automata is from a specific ending in Nier? Or is it that Nier is derived from a specific ending in Drakengard? Because I think I mixed them up earlier. It is the the latter. So Got it. Nier... Because Nier's endings build on each other. They're not any, like, different canon directions. Drakengard does have completely different directions for every ending. So the final ending, I want to say ending E? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember I it being e. ending E. Is, like, basically a, the universe is like, all right, we're resetting all this, and sends demon babies to go kill the main characters and destroy the kingdom and all that. The main character then can are transports with the villain the salt queen or whatever her name was. She's like a giant woman, right? She's like an 800 foot tall woman. Yes. And they transport to all, you know, at the when you fight it is like a narrative with modern buildings. So you fight it, you kill it. Uh, then it goes into like a, it was like a square Enix visual works, a very fairly high end cutscene of the Japanese air force shooting down the dragon main character. And then like, the villain uh, dissolving into salt. Right. That like salt becomes a, thing. yeah, 
that salt becomes the disease that near one is predicated on. The black, right. the like black her, crawl? What? The black scrawl, right? Yes. Black scrawl. Go. Okay, that's what it's called. <clears throat> hey, can we like, go back to the uh, 800 The big woman? Tall woman? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so big tumpy asses. No, 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 no. I won't. I, uh, no, 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 no. I just mean. That's um, Resident Evil. Uh, I mean, does she like step on anything? Or is it, <laughs> uh, Imran, um, you should know that one of our most popular videos online is a video oh of, uh, I think you uploaded these, didn't you? Steve? Yeah, I made all of these videos. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we uploaded a bunch of uh, Mortal Kombat fatalities, Mortal Kombat 11 fatalities, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and we noticed one day that like one of them did very well and we were like, what is going on? And it's the one where the lady gets big and steps on you. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the it's like the only good video of that series that's done well, uh, and so yeah, and it's, it's exactly it's like the ending of Drakengard. You know? Yeah, that's wild Basically, though. Yeah. That connection is bizarre. It is bizarre. Like and it was a joke ending. Like yeah, nobody nobody really thought this is ca- so. I love that. His though. original idea is he he wanted to put Japanese pop star Ayumi Hamasaki into a like. <laughs> big reflective outfit and have her be the villain. Yeah. And everyone was like, no, what are you talking about? And like, he did not have the cut at the time to actually make that happen. Uh, so he just did this thing and yeah. it ended up like launching a series of games. Like that one decision of everyone telling Yokotaro, you cannot have this Japanese pop star <laughs> ended up launching near near automata, dragon guard three, all this stuff that, has become a beloved series for a lot of people. It would yeah. it would be like if Silent Hill three and four were incredibly popular, were more popular than Silent Hill two, and were <laughs> and Silent Hill three was predicated on the dog UFO ending of Silent Hill two. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> Just a twist and shattered memory is that you're actually playing as the dog, remembering. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was there the whole time. His faithful companion. I, this is everything. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm curious, Imran, as someone, so I, I, I think this question is for both of us more than anything, but like as someone who has already experienced the first Nier, um, what are you most looking forward to in this remake? Because uh, like for me, at least I, I mentioned it before, those sections with Kaina and her grandma, I think Kaina is such an interesting character. Her fan service visuals and their flimsy justifications aside um to me she's the most interesting character along with emil and those visual novel sections i really want to see what they look like fully realized and i actually met imran for the first time last year when we both went to the near concert in chicago and yeah. i was surprised to find myself as someone who I had watched uh, the first Nier in anticipation for that concert, but I didn't have like an emotional connection to it by that point because I rushed it and had not processed the emotions. But I was really surprised to find myself a lot more emotional about Kainé's theme and Emile's theme than any other song that played during that concert, including Automata songs. So I'm also looking forward to, however, the soundtrack will be remastered because there's a lot of people that will argue that Nier's soundtrack is better than Nier Automata's and with good reason. Um, mm-hmm. So I am really anticipating those two things. But I'm curious as to what you are specifically anticipating to see remade. And I, I think you can talk about specific things without going spoilery. Like you can be vague about it and. Yeah. People will know what you're talking about. I think so. Like, I do think Near One is a better game than Near Automata. Mm-hmm. The granted, Near Automata had like 
a very a very humanist theme of like what does it actually mean to be human uh that is not explored near one is about 911 like it is about right. the anger of be seeing destruction justified i do think it's going to be a hard sell for a lot of that stuff to hit the same way it did the first time I played it. Mm-hmm. But if I wanted, there are two moments that stick out to me. And one is at the very beginning of the game that when you first walk into the plaza to uh, talk to Yona. You, no. Uh, oh, um, why have I forgotten the sister's names? Not our Popola. Oh, oh, Devil and Popola. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Uh, when you talk to Devila the first time, like as you're walking up to her and she's playing the music, like, it fades in as you're walking in. Yeah. And I remember like being just so blown away by that, not from a technological standpoint that's been done to, since the PS2 era, but it really did f- make it feel like an actual thing where I am walking up to this person who is singing a very soulful, beautiful song. And I loved just it. It did more than any 500 pages of world building would have done for that game. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other part I think is, Let's see. There, there's a very quiet moment towards the, not towards the end of the game, but in the back half, where basically some things happen and a city is wiped out. Oh, and, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's like everybody realizes it's on them. They, had they not come here to do this, the city would not have been wiped out. Right. So, the, everyone just kind of like sits down and just has this moment where just no dialogue is spoken for like a minute and a half. And I want to know, like, I it does sound like they're doing new performances and our new voice performances for all these characters. And mm-hmm. obviously the near is going to be a different English voice because they a different character entirely. I want to know, like, do they hit the same level of emotional, emotional height with that that they did before? Right. Yeah. I love that shit, by the way. I love it in games <laughs> where people just take a moment to do like, to be quiet and not do anything mm-hmm. like that. They don't do that enough. It, what's that? They don't do that enough. That was a really big yeah. thing with life is strange that people liked having yeah. the time to just sit down and contemplate. <laughs> it's actually, I meant to bring this up earlier, but we kind of moved on past the conversation, but I just played Jedi fallen order recently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that is such a good game. Uh, just in general, it's a very good game. Uh, Respawn knows how to make them. And it is like one of the only star Wars properties I've ever seen where people just like sit around and eat dinner inside of like the <laughs> right. millennium Falcon equivalent. Yeah. And it, the reason I wanted to bring up that game earlier, I know we have to wrap up here very quickly, but like, I think the very Western way of um, solving, the problem of like well this thing has a very cool thing in it later that everybody is talking about but can't talk about without spoiling it what do we do the solution for that game was just uh let's run a super bowl ad where we just spoil the ending of the game (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) which i'll be very curious to see yeah how precious they are with like spoilers and stuff on near because it is a game that has been out for whatever nine years now at this point yeah uh i'll be very curious to see I expect there is a twist because of that, because mm. everyone knows. Sure. Yeah. Like if you wanted to know the ending of the near series or near, near one, you would just look it up on Wikipedia. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like there must be something down there. Maybe I'm just assuming too much of Yokotaro right now, but I, <laughs> I feel like he, he will not resist a tempt, the temptation to just mess with people. Right. And I'm, I'm hoping for that here. There's going to be an ending Z and you're going to all lose your minds. Uh, <laughs> But I hope that you didn't lose your mind listening to this very great episode. God damn, I feel way more educated about Nier than I ever have been before in like yeah, a very same. good way. 
Um, but we're going to probably call it there for uh, intentionally somewhat shorter episode of 99 Potions. We got some other stuff we got to do today. But Imran, thank you so much for joining us on this one. Thank you for having me. Natalie, obviously, thank you. Where can people find? Well, actually, uh, where can people find you, Imran, on Twitter? Uh, they can find me at Imran Z-O-M-G. Right. Natalie, where can people find you? Can I ask something real quick, like real, real quick? Sure. We got a couple okay. minutes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Imran, your username, it, was it meant to be like Imran, so my God, and like you yes. just regret it after <laughs> yes. years? Okay. Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like, it was my Skype name for a while. And I'm like, Jesus. Oh, I need to think of a Twitter name. I guess I'll use this. I have always wondered, and I feel like being coworkers gives me enough of an entryway where I can just ask, hey, is this a username that you just regret and that you're so big now that you can't change it? Yes, 100%. Oh, my like, God. I, Working for us I'm, is a license terrible. to clown, I guess. Wow. <laughs> I'm so awful at thinking of usernames. It's usually like, oh, this is a name from an anime I like, or this is just my name with numbers behind it. And like that is, in that respect, oh my God, is just like splitting the difference. But yeah, I, it is very much like peak 2004. Oh, yes. Like, very high nice. school Imran being like, this is my live journal name. Hell yeah. Natalie, <laughs> Natalie once you're a um, fully grown adult, you'll have plenty of things things like this in your life, too. Um, everybody <laughs> oh, has, oh. like, some bad thing on their internet profile that they regret. Well, um, well I'm fucking, still, fucking my Nat- Gmail is still awful. And I... Well, <laughs> Nat- Natalie, Natalie had to fucking compress time to get her username, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna okay. I'll throw, I've never admitted this to anyone. When I was a kid, when I was like 14, I signed up for a Hotmail address. Sephiroth at Hotmail.com was taken. So I was like, you know, Sephiroth is a cool guy. Sephiroth would be all about death. So Sephiroth underscore death at Hotmail.com. Oh my god, that rules. Was my email address when I was 13. That fucking rules. God. I won't say the name because then people will hack into it. But the U- the Gmail that I still use as my primary YouTube account and whatnot, um, the password is Pokemon Naruto Princess, but spelled as Pokemon <laughs> PKMN. Oh my god! So that's incredible. I mean, so then, like, I just, I've always, I wanted to ask, because I've always thought of that. I've always looked at Imran, and I'm like, how much does he regret that? That he just can't, like, go of that. Like, his his public persona is just tied to Imran's Oh My God. But maybe it's not Oh My God. Maybe it's something really cool. No, it's Oh My God. No. So, Natalie. It oscillates between, like, oh, this is cool, because, like, this is ironic. I, I'm owning this. And, oh, God, what was I thinking? <laughs> uh, by the way, my username is Hardy Mesa, heart I am. That, <laughs> Natalie coming in here is like, I got something really quick and just opens up a fucking can of worms. Everyone, <laughs> like, you are welcome to come back. We would love you for more episodes of this chaotic. I, I mean, all our, our podcasts are good, but 99 Potions has that flavor, you know, like just, just keep coming back. I'm, I'm eager to do so. Uh, John, where can people find you on Twitter? <laughs> I'm almost afraid to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> find a floppy adult online. What, what did you flopped. um? On, <laughs> so on that Twitter account, did you recently say something about a president, uh, like a past president? Did you? Yeah. Um. I, I, if you're referring to the fact that I've been canceled for shipping the two Roosevelts, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will not speak of this anymore. Stephen, where can we find you online? 
You can find me online at, at Steven Strum on Twitter. I don't got nothing funny about that one. It's just my name. Uh, I was lucky. Uh, you can also find uh, Paul Tamayo, who uh, did the production for this here episode of 99 Potions, because uh, uh, Jordan is... And uh, booed us. Oh, yeah, and booed us, yeah, the entire time. <laughs> because Jordan is buried under six feet of snow in Texas, I believe, is what I've been reading here. Um, seems bad out there. Uh, yeah. We wish him the best. But you can find Paul on uh, Twitter at, at @polymayo, and you can find Jordan um at uh jordan's underscore mallory on twitter yeah um now <sighs> i do need to ask are we going no we we okay right we, we said we were going to do that like uh change we are. maybe a specific episode but are yeah we no we no yeah we're still drinking but we're still drinking yeah okay i just wanted to make sure because uh yeah. we had a we had a new you know uh co-host on here who may or may not be familiar with uh the way that we walk <clears> up to <throat> this here bar um, clear our throats really quick and kind of wet our whistles with the big. Look, 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 look